Hello, and welcome to Wheel Talk with Abby Mickey. Welcome to episode three of Wheel Talk. I want to start out by saying thank you guys so much for all the messages that I've received about the podcast and people who like the podcast or even just like the idea of the podcast. And also for anybody who's reached out and given me pointers and tips on how I can improve. I definitely want to take those and use them in future episodes. Um, so keep them coming. You know, any anything helps. Uh, yep. Yeah, cool. Anyway... Uh, this next podcast is with Allison Powers. Allison was known for her raw power when she was racing. Um, if she went off the front, you'd never see her again, and she was incredible. Um, she also always loved to give tips, even to her competitors. Uh, multiple times, she would like give me tips and be like, now you owe me $5, um, which was hilarious. So Allison has taken that love for teaching and turned it into being a co- an incredible coach and also a development team in Colorado. Um, so here's Allison. Hello, Abby. (laughs) Uh, So first off, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me. You're welcome. I'm excited about your project that you're doing. (laughs) Woohoo! So I guess we can start at the beginning. You you were a ski racer first. So what was that like? It was awesome. I mean, anytime you can like live your dream and do everything you've you've always wanted to do since you were a little kid is really awesome uh it was i mean it's similar to cycling in that you travel around all these places but really you don't see any of the places and you spend a lot of time in a hotel room or just one section of the town or the ski area um but I loved it I I mean I got to go to all these places and and live my dream of ski racing uh, it's definitely different because it's not really a team sport. Yes, you're traveling with teammates, but you're all fighting against each other for results and selection to go to bigger races. Um, and it is, it's in the winter time, so that was different, you know, being cold and dealing with snow and weather all the time. Snow is but awesome, but also terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate the cold. <laughs> I should add... For any podcast listeners, that this is also the first time I've ever done a remote interview. So um, just be bear with us. <laughs> so going from ski racing to bike racing, and you had to adjust to being on a team and and being a team player. What was that like? Uh, it was a learning curve. I think more so for my teammates. <laughs> I was so much into doing my own thing and this is what I need to do and I need to do this and me, 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 me. And it took me a while to realize, be like, no, the, the team is a bigger entity than me. Um, and plus, then I enjoy the experience a lot more if I like 
just let it go what I need to do and participate in what the team needs to do, then it's more enjoyable and actually better for me as well. Yeah, and definitely better for your teammates. Yes, right. And the team atmosphere. <laughs> so um, when did you join your first team? My first team was 2006. Uh, it was a team out of Boulder called Rio Grande Sports Garage. Um, we were just a local Colorado team, but we also had the resources to travel to some NRC races, which was awesome. Um, and it was a really fun group of ladies. And then from there, I went to Cola Vida. So speaking of Cola Vida. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> and that, that was in 2007. Cool. And did you, uh, so the first year you only raced in the States, but then after that, did you go race in Europe at all? Yes, in 2007, uh, let me think. Yes, I did spring spring campaign in Europe with the national team. Um, so that was, I, I made pretty fast progress, and then it was a steep learning curve. Uh, <laughs> and, and in 2007, I won Pan Am uh, championships to go to Worlds, so that was really exciting. That's awesome. And then you won your, when did you win your first national title? In 2008, time trial. And then that fall, I went to track nationals because I thought I wanted to be a track racer. Uh, and then won the team pursuit with two awesome teammates. That was really fun. I didn't know that you raced track. Yeah, it was short-lived. Mostly <laughs> I was trying to jump through the USAC hurdles to get some funding. Uh, and the hurdles kept changing direction as I was mid-air jumping, so I stopped trying. <laughs> that, that leads to a really great mental image. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, like right off the bat, you were racing on the world stage. Yeah, it was, it was a, big, a big learning curve. Uh, but I was really lucky because I had had all the years of being an athlete as a ski racer. So I already knew what all of that was like. I understood the travel. I understood how to take care of myself, how to rest, how to train. And so it was just the learning of the different sport, everything else I had done before. Yeah, that's great. I guess um, the selfishness, I mean, I guess maybe selfish isn't the right word, but really being able to, to know what you need. Although in the beginning of bike racing, it may hurt the team atmosphere a little bit. Um, it's good for you, like moving, moving forward in the sport. Yes. I mean, def definitely, you, even though you're in a team sport with bike racing, you still have to know how to take care of yourself and what kinds of things make you happy mentally and make you feel good physically and how much sleep and, you know, how much sleep you need, what you need to eat, because you can't help the team if you're not helping yourself at the same time. Yeah. So post Colavita, what, how many teams have you been on and what have your experiences been? I was on a lot of teams. So Colavita for two years, actually, and then moved to team type one just for one year. And then, uh, and all, all good, all great experiences. I never was on a team where I was like, man, that sucked. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Just the teams went away. So like team type one, they, they, uh, 
decreased the size of their women's team, so I had to find another team. And that was Team Vera Bradley Foundation. And that was a one-year, uh, that team lasted for one year. And then I went to TIBCO, uh, and I broke my arm that year in Redland, so I missed like six months of the race season, which is pretty much all the race season. And that did not make the owner of TIBCO happy, so I did not get renewed. Uh, that would be, I guess, the only weird experience. And then from there, I went to now and Novartis for MS, and that was two years. That was I enjoyed that immensely. I always looked up to that team when they were around. All right, yeah, it was it was great. We had good director, good teammates. Uh, We learned, we helped each other. I really enjoyed that. But then that team also went away, and then I joined United Healthcare for one year, and then I retired. And that one year with United Healthcare was uh, a legendary year for you. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was awesome. And I tried, uh, after I signed with United Healthcare, I already knew that I, I wanted to retire and I wasn't sure I even wanted to race. So I actually had tried to quit. Like, I don't know, I can't remember what, it was in the wintertime, I got really sick. And sent Mike Tamayo an email saying, I can't handle the pressure. I can't do this. I quit. <laughs> and he emailed back, like, you can't quit when you're sick. And that was it. And when we sorted out sorted out our differences, I, Josh talked some, she's my husband, talked some sense into me. And then I had a, a really good year and, and then could retire on a high note. Yeah, well, while holding all three national titles. Yeah, well, we had... No, Corinne got the crit one at mm. the end of the year, so I gave gave that. Well, I didn't give it to Corinne; she earned it. <laughs> right, because they like changed. They've changed crit nationals like every year. What when it is? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, somebody, uh, yeah, it was you who only held the national championship for like I don't know, a couple months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was great. But regardless, at one time you held all three, which is still That's awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a you know something you, I can look back on my career and be really proud of. Like, wow, I did that. That's so cool. Yeah, and now, well, when in your career did you start coaching? I started when I was on Team Type One, so that was two thousand nine. I needed a little bit extra income after racing for USAC in 2008 and making like zero money. And I really enjoyed coaching, but I didn't want to ski coach anymore because I didn't enjoy standing around in my ski boots on the side of the hill all winter long instead of riding my bike. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I talked to some friends who were coaches and my current coach at the time, and, and he was like, go for it. You, you're a great communicator. I think you'll be great at it. So that was 2008, like nine years ago. Dang. So now you have like tons of experience with the coaching. Well, well, thanks. But I always feel like there's lots more to learn. Every person you work with, every situation is a chance to, to learn from and learn about and grow as a coach. Yeah. So um, now you have, and now you have your own coaching business, which has been a couple years, right? Yeah, well, I started, actually, I started Alpcycles coaching uh, right away. That's what I was calling myself in 2009 with mm-hmm. coaching. 
but it wasn't really growing because nobody knew me as a coach and I didn't really know how to grow myself. So it took, it took a while, but now eight, seven, eight years later, we have four coaches, three coaches that work for me and a really great group of athletes and now a race team. And it's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the race team, how that, how that came about. Well, I've wanted to have a, a women's race team for a long time, a local team at, at first my desire started as a team of like five women and we'd be the best at everything locally. Like we'd race mountain bike races and cross races and road races and we'd kick ass. And then I realized that's kind of uh, a stretch. <laughs> and so I uh, wanted to just start a road team that actually teaches people how to race. Uh, from my experience locally, there aren't many people who are actually teaching the art of bike racing anymore. Lots of people who teach power and watts and getting stronger and fitter, but not actually how to race your bike. How do you sprint? How do you read a race? How do you attack? How do you win a race? And so that's what I want to do with Alp Cycles Racing is teach people how to race. Because uh, A, that's fun, and that's what bike racing is about. It's a team sport, and you learn how to help each other as a team. And then B, if, if any of these girls go to bigger teams, they actually know how to race their bike, which is something I did not know how to do. And it was a big, steep, and sometimes uncomfortable learning curve to figure out what bike racing was all about. Yeah, plus, um, especially with women's racing, it's you can't really be like a specialist. There's not enough, unless you're like a sprinter, there's really not that much that much reason to be a specialist in one in one discipline. Yep, that's right. I mean, it, and it's much more fun to try to be good at more things than just one thing. Yeah, exactly. Breakaways are fun. <laughs> Breakaways are fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was um, your favorite race? What race sticks out in your the memory of your career the most? Well. Definitely the road race national championships in Chattanooga in 2014 that I won. Um, that I mean, that I always, when I think back to racing, I think about that race. Just our teamwork was so amazing um, between Katie Hall and Mara and me and, and the way the whole race played out. And then, of course, with me winning solo, I mean, and personally how I raced that race, how smart I was and how much energy I saved it was like the perfect race and I'll always remember that. Nice. Do you ever think back to that race and you're like, maybe, maybe I should have a comeback. Maybe I should come back. <laughs> no, that race, it hurts so bad. Those last six miles <laughs> by myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the, the only times I, I kind of want to race again are, uh, criteriums, actually the tactics, um, there's tactics that I learned on United Healthcare that made bike racing so much fun. And I'm sad to have retired because I was still learning about bike racing. And I miss that. And it kind of makes me want to race with some with with my new team a little bit just to teach them on the road and in the race and be like, hey, you're in the wind, or now is a great time to attack, or I'll, you know you counterattack my attacker, just like be able to teach in the race. That's much more effective than standing on the side of the road. Uh, but I don't miss training and I don't miss, miss suffering at all. 
Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Allison Powers, comeback, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Only local crits, so I wouldn't really have to trade. <laughs> Dang, I'm so excited to race local crits now. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Well, I have it on good authority that when Corinne is done racing, she's going to only do crits. And when Hannah Barnes is done racing, she wants to come back to America and race some crits. So we're going to start, like, the most epic crit squad that there ever was. I like it. Very nice. I'm going to create the team so I get an automatic in. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't make the cut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you can be in our breakaways then. Yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm really great at, like, uh, leading out, like, with 10 laps to go. I can get on the front. For a couple okay, laps. Perfect. Yeah, it would be perfect. Right. Other than that, the speed's like a little bit too high for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, the team will be doing local races. Do you have any um, aspirations of growing it into something bigger? Uh, yeah, so yes, we are doing only local races. And at this time I want to keep it only local like that that's the goal is to teach local racers how to race uh, in the future if we had a had a bigger budget and some of the ones twos wanted to go to to bigger races like Intelligentsia Cup or Tulsa Tough or something I think that would be really cool because there there is a point where you need to step out of your local race series and and go to bigger races but for this year that's that's not happening at all uh, I'm just figuring out the whole team thing as we go. So I don't want to bite too big of a bite. And you'll, you'll go to all the races with them. I mean, you'll be at all the local races and blossom around and everything. Yeah. Well, we, so we have, uh, as much as I love bike racing, I still don't want to go to a bike race every single weekend. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I picked a very modest number of six, six team races with a coach. Um, and that depends on budget because uh, the coach get you know the coach has to be paid for all these team rides and going to the race, mostly because I don't want to volunteer my time doing all this stuff. Like it, it's a job, and and our, my coaches and myself deserve to be paid. So a modest modest race schedule of six team races. Yes, the, the women can race every weekend if they want to, uh, and we have a training camp in Grand Junction in April. So I'm. I'm most excited for the training camp because of those days back to back and in the evenings to talk bike racing and tactics and get the chalkboard out and, you know, draw scenarios, just the, the teaching opportunity there. I'm, I'm looking forward to. Plus team camps are always super important for um, bonding. Yes. Yep. As you know, since you were just at your Cola Vita one. Yeah, it was great. I mean like the, um, the, I think teams are most successful when everybody on the team gets along really well. And of course, like you have, you have teams where like one or two girls don't fit in and everyone doesn't mesh as well. But um, I think if everyone really puts in an effort to get along with each other, the, I mean, the more you laugh, the better you race together. I agree. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, there, yeah, you, like you said, you're, it's not going to be sunshine, sun, excuse me, sunshine and rainbows with every teammate. But if you can be professional and be grown up about it and be like, "You're my teammate. Let's let's make this happen in the bike race," then it's perfect. 
on that note, I was wondering if you could define professional for me. Oh, well, sure. Let's see. You've asked me this before. I have. Uh, which I think is very cool. So I think professional is, uh, is different for everybody. But in my mind, if, if you're a professional at something or, or trying to be, you represent that thing really well and in a positive light. So if you're a professional bike racer, you, uh, you act, well, act professional. What does that mean? That means you, you, when you're wearing your team kit and you're riding your bike, you're obeying all the traffic laws, you're being friendly, you're waving at other people, you're being uh, a role model in the sport for everyone else. Um, it also means, you know, you're, you're not doing social media posts of you like drunk, you know, eating cookies drunk or whatever. This isn't ski racing. We can't get away with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you're just acting, acting really well and being a role model. Um, and, and for everyone, they, they're trying to be different kinds of role models for, for everyone. For me, I want to be, I want to be remembered as, as a role model that took racing very seriously and, and, you know, was, was good at it and worked really hard, but off the bike was a friendly person who was approachable and, and someone that my teammates remember well. And then I want my sponsors and my all the teams I was on to think of me as like, yeah, we liked Allison on the team. She was, she really enhanced our overall quality or the sponsorship. And, and so just always thinking about how can I be portrayed in a positive light, but someone who takes their sport very seriously. That's a good definition. Thank you. I remember quick anecdote that I've actually told you this story before, but we were racing Redlands. <laughs> I think it was my first year racing like, big races with uh and I was with 2016 and I remember on the last lap of sunset I was in a group with you and you were like you actually aren't racing bad this year and I was like dang <laughs> compliment from Allison Powers <laughs> I'll never forget that moment I could have said something like you're racing well or you've made good improvements that was weird <laughs> Must have been in the suffer zone. Well, I'd like to just, in my mind, I was like, she's threatened by me. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> if you've been in the same group together, you then yes. Yeah, that was a hard race, too. I think Mara won that race, that stage. Was that, what year was that? 2014. Oh, yeah, okay. So I had, I, so our team tactics, uh, I had, won the yellow jersey in the time trial, and then the next day at Beaumont had like the worst day ever and finished behind the front group that Mara was in. Uh, so the, the night before Redlands, or no, uh, before sunset, Rachel came in and asked me, she's like, do we ride for you or do we ride for Mara? And I was like, I am so tired, like let's ride for Mara. So then that's, I, I did one lap full gas for Mara and said, good luck, and then got dropped and then that's where I found you. Yeah, so you'd, <laughs> you'd race, race your race, and we're just trying to finish, and I was like, ah, I'm in a group with Allison. I'm racing so well. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, and look, you just kept getting better and better. Well, Good job. thanks. That's like the goal in life. I feel like you should just always try to keep improving. 
Yes. Life goal. Yes. So from like a, a coach's perspective, you've been, I mean, I guess you've been an athlete of a coach and you've also been a coach of athletes. So how important do you think is the coach athlete relationship? I think it's really important. Um, a coach can be such a teacher of the sport and almost becomes a life teacher as well. Um, so if you don't have that communication with your coach, all you're getting is a training plan and you're not getting any feedback on how to get better, how to learn the sport, how to learn being an athlete. And, and so, and that's, I had some great coaches in my bike racing career, but really all they were, were training plans. I, I didn't learn much more from them. So I've tried so hard with my coaching is to be better than that. Yes, I provide training plans but you also get proper coaching you know if if you were to be on a soccer team your coach would actually coach you teach you how to how to become a better soccer player and do drills with you and how to be a teammate so that's what I try to do as a cycling coach nice like ride go ride with your athletes and be like I'm gonna lead you into this hill you better out sprint me yes but that people have a problem doing that well that, those were always my favorite <laughs> interval rides. <laughs> and I, uh, Strava is wrong. Because <laughs> I remember that time I beat you of Hurricane Hill. <laughs> but I still got the Strava. <laughs> uh, uh, it's my fault. I accidentally paused the Garmin when I was trying to hit lap. Technology is so hard. <laughs> I, you were definitely one of my most favorite athletes to ride with because you're strong and you're fit and you would put me in my place, even though you might not know that. Those, um, those were fun rides, too. <laughs> yes, yeah. so, so, yes, I try to, you know, ride with all of the, all of the athletes. Every month we have a, a, we call it the ALP ride. So all of our, our local athletes come and ride with our coaches and it's a, a day to teach and learn and, and ride bikes with each other. And you're not the only coach for ALP. You have a couple other ALP cycles coaches, don't you? Yes. So I have Jennifer Sharp. She lives in Boulder. And she's worked, she and Patricia Schwager have worked with me since 2014. I think right when I retired, I hired them. Um, and, or 2015. And then uh, we just hired Ruth Winders. Uh, so she she is one of our coaches now, and it's just great. We have such a broad range. You know, Ruth is still racing. Patty grew up in Europe, so she knows European racing. Jen has a super strong background in track, as does Ruth. Um, but then Jen also knows the local scene really well because she races locally, and so it's really a nice mix of women. So when your team goes to races, is it going to be you and then uh... – or is it going to be like the other the other girls who are also coaching? Will they go to some of the races? Yes, we'll we'll mix it up and change it around. And same with our team rides. We're we're having two team rides a month, and so we. I mean, it's just nice for the the riders to learn from different people. If they're always learning from me all the time, I that could limit that could limit their learning. So if it's like, okay, Jen's going to go to this race and Patty's going to go to this race and Ruth will go on that ride. And then it's all these people's experience that the riders can learn from. That's awesome. So 
if anybody would like to be coached by Elf Cycles, where should they where should they go? Hey, good question. <laughs> you should go to um, and yeah, we have a, a I think it's a good website. One of my athletes, Gaffney, made it. I think you're gonna. Are you going to a home stretch? Uh, I was supposed to be there this week, but I had a change of plan, and now I'm here. I was super excited to meet her, though. Yeah, yeah. So she um, she made our website, and she's helped me design the race team kits. Um, so that she's uh, we have a nice trade with her design help and my coaching. Uh, but anyway, you can go to alpcyclescoaching.com and find out all kinds of information. And you can email me or any of the other coaches. And we have training plans for sale, all, all kinds of good stuff. Nice. So even if you don't want a coach, you can still buy a training plan and then like see how you feel. If it works out, you can go to the full-time coaching or you know, for people who don't know if they want to commit to a coach yet. That's right. Exactly right. Yep. Cool. Sweet. Well, when you're, um, when you were racing, you live in Colorado. Yes. That was not quite a question. It was like a lead into a question. <laughs> yes, I but, live in Colorado. But anyway, um, during like the, the base mile season, the winter, did you ride the trainer a lot or what was your um, approach to winter training living in Colorado? H-T-F-U. <laughs> That's a good answer. No, uh, no, I did not ride the trainer a lot. I think my last year, I rode the trainer maybe five times. Um, maybe five times. But I also like to go Nordic skiing and go backcountry skiing. And then I have a nice plethora of bikes between a fat bike, cross bike, mountain bike, single speed that I can ride depending on the weather. And I had learned over the years that if it was 20 degrees and above and the sun was out, then I could ride and it would be fine. If it was cloudy, it had to be 25. Um, so it was, you know, I, I had really good clothes. I kind of enjoyed riding in the cold and the snow. But really, if it was really, really bad weather, I just take a rest day because there's a good chance in Colorado that it might be bad weather for two days, but then five days of nice weather. So I plan my training around the weather a lot. Nice. Well, um, so far out of the podcast, you've given a ton of great advice. Um, but my favorite question to ask has been, what is the worst advice you ever received? Ooh, that's a good question. Because everyone has an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm oh. thinking I didn't go away. <laughs> I'll give you 20 seconds to think, but I'm going to count down. No, just kidding. <laughs> the worst advice I ever received. I don't know. What was the best I, advice? I, uh, ah, the best advice came from Josh, my husband. Patience wins races. Uh, I like to ride at the front of races a lot because that's where you get the most exercise and it's not boring. Um, and he, he gave like, he would watch races on TV and be like, you are such an idiot. You rode on the front into the climb. And then on the climb, you got dropped. Like, that's why that happened. So he gave me some rocks, like little quarter size rocks and uh, three of them. And he said, patience wins races. 
and he put them in my bag on a, on a trip to Europe. So I found them when I was in Europe and that was like the best advice. So anytime I get impatient or feel like I wanted to do more in a race, I would always think that. I was hoping that the rock, the rocks were going to like, you had to carry them in your pocket or something. <laughs> well, I could, I guess, but, but I, I never did. I have a friend who uh, gave me a crystal for good luck and she was like, race with it. And I was like, well, I mean, I really love Jen, um, but I, I don't. I don't really want to race with a rock in my pocket. No. <laughs> I mean, like apart from the weight thing, because it's not. It doesn't weigh that much. I mean, it's like a you know a little rock. But also, like, what if you crash and you have a rock in your pocket? Yes, not not good for the spine. Mm-mm, no way. So you broke your arm when you were on Tibco. Did you ever have any other um, like massive setbacks? Uh, my first, uh, we went to Valley of the Sun in 2006, and the road race, climbing up. I ran into Mara. She was my teammate, Mara Abbott, and I crashed on the climb. So that's embarrassing in and of itself. <laughs> that takes care of the, what was your most embarrassing yeah. moment question? Yeah. <laughs> Check. <laughs> and it separated my shoulder. So, um, and I had to be in a sling and it, but it wasn't a major setback. Well, I came back in April and was fine, uh, but I didn't do proper PT. So that shoulder and those muscles around it are still like super tight. So here's a lesson. Always do PT after whatever injury you have. Because uh, it pays off 15 years later. And that will be $5. You can donate on the website. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because every time Allison gives you a tip, then you pay her $5. That's how it works. One time I was wearing my TT helmet and I had it like pushed back. And Allison was like, no, if you push it forward, I don't remember. No, it was you push it back because then it lies flat on your back. And then you said, and now you owe me five dollars. <laughs> same same year as the Redlands comment. I didn't even know you then. <laughs> See, I was being so professional. I was teaching you, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> I mean, I did. I'm pretty sure I did push my helmet back, and then all the pictures I had this like massive forehead. Yes, it's not attractive time trial helmets when you wear them properly. No, for sure not. I mean, I don't think that time trialing itself is a very attractive thing. No, good point. It's pain faces and suffering and bad, bad. There's snot everywhere, and like if you're doing it right, there's drool everywhere. Or if you're Tony Martin, there's blood in your crotch. Ouch. Ugh. Ugh. So was time trialing your favorite, do you think? Or did you prefer the races and the tactics? I, I had a love-hate relationship with time trialing because I was good at it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the process of it. Uh, but I hated the suffering. Like, I would just, you know, have to mentally psych myself up to suffer as much as I would. Uh, and it, it was horrible. But that's the nature of the sport. That's what you have to do. Uh, I definitely like the tactics of of the racing, the the road races, especially in my later years. I started to get bored um, in in the road races, but the criteriums were always. I mean, I love the tactics and the action of criteriums. 
the dream 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 team crit team is coming at coming to toad okay 20 i don't know it's a ways off uh, so back in your career what was your uh who was your favorite person to room with when you went to races oh alone is probably the, the right answer <laughs> I have heard this the stories of you uh, at races being like, I'm fine rooming with people, but I'm sleeping naked. <laughs> and then that makes it so you don't have any roommates. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're around people so much when you're at races that, like, if you have your own room, it's like, whew. Yes. Yes. Well, and honestly, um, when... For all the years, except for on United Healthcare, we'd stay in host housing, and so that often meant that you had your own own room. You know, the team was spread out um, in several houses, so that each rider could have her own room or at least her own own bed, which was nice. And then it was only United Healthcare that we started staying in hotel rooms where you had roommates. So I shared with Sharon quite often. Um, she and I made nice, you know, a nice uh, roommates. Um, I've heard that she has some quirks also, so I bet that totally was awesome. Also, you're saying I'm quirky? <laughs> I mean, just the sleeping naked thing and the, yeah. Yes, she, she um, like an hour before departure time, would, would start shuffling all around and getting all anxious about the race and packing her bag and doing this and doing that. And how come you're not getting ready? How come you're not getting ready? <laughs> And then I think I would wait, I'd push it till like five minutes before we're supposed to leave and then just grab my stuff and I'd just to make her more anxious that I wasn't getting ready yet. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> my favorite person to room with is always Katie Hall. Oh, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. She's always doing she, something weird. <laughs> she's a good person. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, staying in host houses. Did did you think you preferred the host houses to the hotel rooms? I liked host housing because you could like make all of your own stuff, you know, with with the kitchen. I liked the ability to have the kitchen. Yeah. Um at the same time that also meant having to worry about food and cooking food and going to the grocery store. And that was a big I didn't know it at the time, but that's a big stressor. As opposed to on United Healthcare, like the Swannies and everyone took care of the food. And once I like let it go that they'll get me what I want and it'll be okay and I don't have to be so anal, it was really nice. Like just to not have that stress of what am I going to make? Oh, I have to go to the grocery store. Who has to go to the grocery store? We need to borrow a car. But I have my this and I have my that. It's like, here's your food. Relax. Your massage is in an hour. That's what I meant by quirks. Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, so, so I like I like the hotel if someone's taking care of my food. If I have to do the food myself, then the host house was nice. Yeah, we had a host house at camp, and it was, um, it was pretty fun. I mean, you just like, you, it's not like in the hotel you can like go to your room and just be there, and like no one, no one's gonna go like knock on doors and hang out in hotel rooms, but like. The good thing about the host house is, like, everyone would hang out in the kitchen and make jokes. Yeah, that's fun. That's great team building. Yeah. Yeah, I think host houses make for, for good team building. Yes. 
That's why Redlands is one of my favorite races. Because of the host houses. Yeah. Plus, you, you meet these families who are, like, really, really in... They might actually... They might not know anything about cycling. Um, but then, like, they have a team stay with them. And then all of a sudden, you've converted a family and they're super into cycling. That's right. Yeah, and they want to host you again the next year. Yeah, so you end up making, like, potentially lifelong friends. Yes. Like, completely yep. involved with cycling, but not, not actually. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, host housing is fun, I think. So uh, you've, you've done a little bit of directing. Yes, just a very little bit. What did you think of that? Um, it goes both ways, I guess. Uh, a big part of directing is figuring out logistics, mm. uh, which, which when you've never done it before can be a little overwhelming. Um, so the, each time I've directed... I've only done it twice now uh, but each, the second time was far better than the first time because the first time I did it I had never done it before and it's a totally different thing when you're having when people are doing things for you that you don't realize they're doing uh, and then it's your turn to try to do those things but you didn't know they were getting done for you if that makes sense yeah uh, so yeah, first first time directing, I made a lot of mistakes, and I had to say sorry to the girls like 400 times. <laughs> and then the second time, I had learned from those mistakes and did a lot better, but still still made some mistakes, just just the logistics wise. Um, and then one thing, I mean, team team radios would make being a director so much more fun, because right now when you're a director, you're just a car driver, and if you're car nine. You're just a car driver in traffic. You don't see the race. You have no idea what's happening, and it's not very enjoyable. Um, so if there were radios, a director could actually teach and be part of the race, and it would be much more enjoyable. Uh, but what I do like about being a director is when everyone's off the bike and you're having team meetings or even when you ride with the girls in, in the morning before a crit or something, it, those are all teaching opportunities. And that's what I love most about a director is the teaching aspect of bike racing. Yeah, hence the team and yes. being a coach. Right. Nice. So it, even though you don't, even though you're not racing anymore, you still get the get to take part in the learning curve. Yes. Yep. Which I like. Yeah. But have you ever thought about doing like the directing full time? I have actually, <clears throat> but my problem is I don't want to travel that much. I'm I'm not ready yet, uh, or it, I don't know if I ever will be. But I really like being home. I like I like where I live. I like my dogs. I like my husband, and I want I don't want to leave that every other week for four days. Plus, you're building a house. That's right. Yes. Plus, we're building a house, so I really won't want to leave. Uh, did Meredith Miller move into your old house? No, her a friend of hers did. Okay. Her name is Meredith. Oh. Uh, but it's not Meredith Miller. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. In the Colorado community. Yes, that's right. Because when you uh, uh, posted, I think a picture of the empty lot that you guys will build the house on, on Instagram, I was like, Tom's. We should have like bought Allison's house. <laughs> oh, good point. Because yes. that would have been awesome. Have stayed there before. Yeah, I love it up there. 
thank you. I mean, I like the the seclusion, and but also it's just like so pretty. It is. I agree. It's hard to beat Colorado. It is. But you you you've left. Ah. Yeah, but I wish I was there. I miss the skiing. Although, um, only because it was pouring rain today and yesterday, so I'm I'm not I don't love Spain at the moment just because I'm here to ride my bike and I and it's too wet. Yeah, and that's not that enjoyable, and you have to clean your bike a lot afterwards. Oh, my bike is filthy. I'm sorry, Andy. She like gave it to me all clean, and I've already just completely destroyed it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Do you have any other um, any other pointers or tips? No, you ask good questions. You did a good job. Thanks. Um, I'll leave the the link to Alp Cycles Coaching in the show notes. So if anybody's interested in in emailing Allison about coaching, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. You're my blue sky, you're my sunny day Lord, you know it makes me high when you turn your love my way Turn your love my way, yeah Thank you so much for listening to Wheel Talk, the podcast. If you liked it, please leave a review on iTunes. If you didn't like it, please reach out to me and let me know how I can improve. You can find me on Twitter at the WT underscore podcast, or on my own personal Twitter, at Abby Mickey. I'm also on Facebook, Wheel Talk, the podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure recording these podcasts for you, and I'll play you out with Blue Sky by the Allman Brothers. Mm-hmm.